Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambler's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can follow me on Gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg, joined by our weekly WinBet guest, as he is our buddy Joe Fan, as we have had him on most weeks during the NFL season to preview all of the opening lines that are at least catching our attention. That's Joe underscore fan F A N N on Twitter. And we are bringing them back aboard here on a Tuesday night. You're probably listening on a Wednesday by now, but nonetheless happy to have Joe back aboard to do the week eight openers as uh, Joe, can you believe it? We're almost halfway through the NFL season. Yeah, what a what a season it's been. I don't know if, you know, it's the the best the most parody we've ever seen or if it's just a lot of bad football and a lot of bad teams out there, but uh maybe a mix of both. It it's been a wild season so far and uh you know, certainly these week 8 lines sort of reflect that. And we'll get into them in a minute, but you mentioned parody and I got to ask you, while I'm sure it was disappointing the way the Mariners went out in the playoffs against the Astros, taking any solace in the fact that some of that parody has resulted in the Seattle Seahawks in first place in the NFC West? Yeah, it's it's bizarre. Uh, I think <laughs> they've taken advantage of just a down year, both in the division and in the conference at, at large, and um, they've certainly outplayed expectations. You know, I think offensively they've been better than anyone expected in the last two weeks. They've played defense, uh, you know, stifling the Arizona Cardinals, then the Los Angeles Chargers, really thumping the Chargers on the road uh, at SoFi Stadium. So, um, it's crazy they go from, you know, most Seahawks fans go from thinking, hey, 
just tank, get a top five pick, and now all of a sudden yeah. it's like, well, go get a playoff spot because the NFC is that bad, and there's no reason why they shouldn't be in the mix in the wild card at least uh, through the end of the season. And then you have Denver that continues to flail, and that might be the top five pick they end up getting. So, yeah, right. certainly a wild turn of events. Yeah, and, um, you know, you mentioned the NFC kind of being a mess. Chief among those messy teams in the NFC is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And let's jump in there. Thursday night football win bet hanging Tampa a two-point home dog against the Baltimore Ravens, a total of 45. And, Joe, i got to be honest, Baltimore hasn't been all that impressive either. And it feels like they're kind of an ugly four and three when you consider their collapses against Buffalo and Miami as two of their three losses. And you also look at some of their wins and say, well, all right, you did what you needed to do against a Jet team that now, if you played them, it might be a different game. You know, you hang on and you you win on a last-second field goal against Cincinnati. Uh, You know, New England, I mean, they're seemingly very inconsistent. So Baltimore kind of has given off this Jekyll and Hyde vibe where I don't know that I feel great about them. And most recently, another kind of unimpressive win against Cleveland on Sunday. But Tampa is just an absolute mess right now. And why should I assume that they're going to get right against Baltimore on a short week? Yeah, it's it's more about who you want to bet against in this game than really who you feel confident betting on. Um, I will probably avoid it for that reason. You know, with Mark Andrews banged up, um, Rashad Bateman still unlikely to play. Uh, I, I just don't know how I trust the Ravens on the road against anybody based on what we've seen from them. But at the same time, Tampa Bay has been an absolute mess. I mean, the fact that they didn't score a touchdown against the Carolina Panthers is uh, partially hysterical and partially um, just embarrassing. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's... It's really hard to fathom how bad Tampa Bay has been. It's been their defense as well. It's getting, you know, torched. Allowed, what, six yards per play against the Carolina Panthers last week. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's a game that that is probably going to be hard to watch, is my guess. Um, if I had a play, maybe it's even the under 45. Um, but I probably won't take a side here just because I could sell myself on either side playing terribly and losing. Um so there's just not enough incentive to bet on either team. You mentioned Denver flailing uh, quite a big way in the first half of the year. And normally this wouldn't be a game we would highlight on our openers discussion here, but it is a London game. And I'm sure particularly those that are up and at it on the East Coast at 930 a.m. Eastern time when this game kicks off uh, might be looking for some action. And we're seeing Jacksonville a short two and a half point favorite, a total of thirty nine and a half. And Jacksonville, Joe, uh, the air is definitely out of the balloon after a two and one start for the Jags. But again, there there really is no balloon to begin with for the Broncos. Yeah, I probably will go Jacksonville here just to have something in the morning. Um, you know, I think this is the game that that really does Nathaniel Hackett in. Um, you know, even if Russell Wilson plays, there's just nothing that we've seen that indicates this offense is going to get going and. Um, you know, Jacksonville's defense certainly wasn't what it was early in the year. Um, but I think I still lean Jacksonville here. And again, another game that will probably be ugly to watch. Denver's defense, certainly very talented. Um, one of the best in all of football. If you go by Football Outsiders DVOA metric, they rank third defensively. Um, and the other numbers, the efficiency numbers support that. So there's no doubt that they are very talented. But 
um, based on what we've seen from Russell Wilson. Again, why would this be the week that he figures it out, especially with the bum hamstring? So um, I will stay away from from Denver and, and probably go Jacksonville in this one. All right, let's hit on a couple of the early window games, and let's start in the Big Easy, where the New Orleans Saints are also very much reeling, and they are hosting the Las Vegas Raiders, who make the cross-country trip, or and maybe not quite cross-country, but nonetheless a lengthy trip for the Raiders, and the Raiders are two-point road favorite, total of 49.5, and, and Joe, I think it's interesting, both of these teams, only with two wins on the year, Saints at 2-5, and five, Raiders at 2-4. and four. Of course, the Raiders have already had their bye week. They come out of their bye with a convincing 38-20 win over lowly Houston. And I don't know. I look at this and think there were, the Raiders were due to wake up when you consider all those close games that they were losing against the Chargers and against the Chiefs and against the Cardinals. Before their bye week, it felt like, you know, Titans as well, that, okay, they weren't as bad as their record indicated. And I think they could keep things moving here and pick up another win here. I don't know that I love the spot with the lengthy travel, uh, but gosh, New Orleans is a mess right now. They do have extra time to prepare, though, worth noting New Orleans coming off the Thursday game. Yeah, New Orleans is such a mess. If I go anywhere, it'll be with with Las Vegas. They are the better team. You know, certainly you look at the, the running game. Josh Jacobs has been absolutely on fire, you know, going over 100 yards every game, yeah. finding the end zone every game of late. Uh, at least in his last three, he has been tremendous. I still want to see more from Derek Carr. I just don't, I feel like he's regressed from what we saw a year ago where, you know, he was a sneaky top five passer in football last year in terms of total passing yards. And he's just nowhere near that right now. And, um, you know, the Devontae Adams uh, connection is sort of hit and miss. To me, they make things harder than it has to be. Even that, that Texans game, they pulled away late, but Houston hung around in that one for for longer than you would have liked for a team desperate for a win coming off of their bye playing at home. Um, but I, I will take the Raiders here because you just can't tell me that, that there's a there's a good reason to to go with New Orleans. The defense has been bad. The offense is bad. Uh, they can turn the ball over in bunches like we saw against Arizona last Thursday. Uh, I just like the upside of, of Las Vegas more. Okay, let's get to another early window game at 12 noon Central Time in Minneapolis. The Vikings will host the Arizona Cardinals. Vikings a three and a half point favorite at win bet, total of 49. And Joey, of the Vikings coming out of a bye, the Cardinals were the opponent for the Saints on that Thursday night game. So both of these teams with plenty of time to get ready in this one. And Minnesota may be one of the, uh, I don't even want to necessarily say underrated teams in the NFC, but at five and one, uh, the Vikings are certainly very much a threat, I think, in the NFC. And, you know, right now, uh, a pretty clear favorite in the NFC North, given the struggles uh, of their neighbors in Wisconsin there with the Packers. So with all of that said, we know about the trends with Kirk Cousins in the 1 p.m. Eastern time window. We have that going here. We have them out of a bye. Arizona, maybe it was get right a little bit last week. DeAndre Hopkins coming back, obviously that's a plus, but gosh, the Cardinals were just gift-wrapped a pair of defensive touchdowns from Andy Dalton. I think Minnesota's a side here, uh, but I, I think that's priced accordingly, too, at three in the hook. Yeah, I will avoid this game because I think both these teams are, are messes. I think the Vikings are one of the more fraudulent 5-1 and one teams okay. I, I can remember in recent memory. Um, you know, they beat Teddy Bridgewater and the Dolphins before their bye. Before that, they let the Bears hang around uh when they're playing at home 
barely beat the Bears. It ends up being a touchdown margin, but um, the, the Bears had a late fourth quarter lead in that game. Um, very easily could have lost to the Saints uh, in London, if not for a couple very kind and generous pass interference penalties that went in their favor. The Lions should have beat them in week three. They got yeah. embarrassed by the Eagles in week two. Really, since week one, I don't feel like for an entire game I've been very impressed with Minnesota. And I guess the double-edged sword is – you know, outside of the top maybe four teams in all of football, you could say that about everybody. Um, right. You know, I just think there's so much mediocrity around the league. Um, I just am not sold on, on Minnesota. I think Arizona um, will will battle them here. I think DeAndre Hopkins coming back is certainly um, a, a huge factor. I think that goes without saying. You know, Benjamin has been running the ball really well. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I probably will stay away. I, I honestly lean Cardinals here a bit. Um, but I just, I don't want any part of these two teams. I'm just going to stay away. All right. Last game I want to highlight in the 1 PM Eastern time window is in the Meadowlands where the New York Jets are a surprising home underdog at win bet to the New England Patriots, New York catching one and the hook, a total of 40 and a half. And Joe, before we get into this game specifically, I do think this is something that I'd be curious to get your thoughts on from a bookmaking standpoint. Last week, we saw Jacksonville favored against the New York Giants, uh, and we'll get to the Giant-Seahawk game in a little bit, but the Seahawks are a favorite in that game. Are we just seeing the bookmakers getting more efficient with the numbers they're hanging and look beyond? You mentioned the kind of uh, noise, if you will, behind the Vikings 5-1 and one record and not necessarily uh, you know, indicative of the football team they are. Are we seeing a lot of the metrics and kind of underlying stuff get factored into bookmaking now where you have a game like this where New England really doesn't look good at all after last night and you look at some of their their wins and they're obviously not against great teams and they're still under 500. And then you look at the Jets, 5-2, and two, Robert Sala, maybe a coach of the year candidate, and the Jets are at home here and an underdog. Yeah, losing Brees Hall is brutal because their rushing yeah. numbers with him and without him on the field are are very uh, – it's a stark contrast between him and Michael Carter. He's been the home run hitter that they – has really carried their offense because Zach Wilson, less than 100 net passing yards two weeks in a row. They're 2-0 in those games. That's sort of unheard of. You know, I, I thought to a degree that, you know, we'd – We'd see Bill Belichick dominate Justin Fields on Monday night. That that didn't happen, obviously. And so, um, you know, you would imagine that that he sort of gets that seeing ghosts reaction out of Zach Wilson. Um, but you know what? The Patriots don't have a quarterback either, and they look terrible on Monday. And it's it's hard to to well, you know they dominate the Browns and the Lions, and they come out and lay a total egg at home on prime time. You know, how do you evaluate those outcomes? Um, moving down the line, I think I'm going to avoid this game too, because I just think the Jets without Brees Hall, he was their offense. And um, for me, I'm not confident enough in Zach Wilson avoiding the big mistake. That's been what's really helped them is he's at least been a game manager where he hasn't made the the catastrophic mistake and and the Jets have in turn made teams beat them. Um, And that's helped them win games. I think that's going to be easier said than done against the Patriots team, looking at its wounds a bit and, and looking to, to bounce back. Um, I probably will avoid it, um, but I understand why they're they're getting points at home, given who they just lost. Well, I'll ask you this then. I don't know if we, when we move into the late window, 
I don't really understand New Tennessee being a two point, just a two point road favorite against lowly Houston. The Titans having won four in a row. When I see a line that fishy, I normally bet the fishy side or I don't bet it at all. And I don't know that I want any piece of Houston right now. How do you explain this number uh, total in this game at 40 and a half? Um, yeah, you said uh, Texans Titans. Yes. Yeah. To me, the Titans just make a living off of beating mediocre teams. I mean, it's Mike Vrabel's superpower. I don't think this team is very good. But again, talk about making teams beat you. Um, this is a team that defends. They've got a standout pass rush led by Jeffrey Simmons. And uh, offensively, they're able to do just enough, with, again, without making, you know, they are going to make you beat them. And, and teams often can't. We we saw it last week against the Colts. And there's a reason why they're one of the best teams now in the AFC, given uh, again, the the lack of that third superior team, the Titans might be that that number three team yeah. in the AFC power ranking. So only giving two, um, I think for me that that's an easy play. Um, basically, with the same logic of of what I used last week as they hosted the Colts. Um, Mike Vrabel is a damn good coach, and uh, his teams win when they're supposed to win, and that's why even when I wanted to doubt them this year, it. Shame on me. They are still sort of who they are. And Joe, can I ask you one of those teams vying for the opportunity to get their asses kicked by the Chiefs and Bills in the postseason. Uh, But in the meantime, I think they're going to be collecting wins and they might not always be pretty. um, But only laying two to me seems like a no brainer. Maybe some concern about Ryan Tannehill and that ankle injury in hanging this number at just two. Um, Yeah, I mean, either way, I'm, I'm taking this at two. I just think Titans are the better team. Okay. All right, let's move on and go to that game uh, in your neck of the woods in uh, at least your hometown, and that's the Seattle Seahawks laying three against the Giants, total of 45. And, I mean, you tell me, are the you know, both of these teams kind of playing above their projections, if you will, uh, Giants probably more so, and uh, whose start is more real, Seattle or New York? I think they're both real. Again, I, I don't know. You know, they both had had to earn. Look at, at New York's loss. It was against Dallas where, you know, yes, Dak Prescott wasn't in the lineup, but they gave the Cowboys everything they could handle. And, um, again, there's so much incompetency in the league that if you have a team that, you know, is well coached and doesn't make the big mistake and makes you beat them um, – it's you, you can't trivialize getting past them um, with the New York Giants. Daniel Jones has found a way, you know, Brian Dable has maximized what he can do athletically. We saw his first 100 yard rushing game last week um, and he's minimized turnovers uh, while, you know, a, a Saquon, a healthy Saquon Barkley has been their most valuable player. Um, and so, yeah, I think. Uh, to me, I understand the Seahawks being the favorite here. I think offensively they have more, even though they'll miss DK Metcalf this week. Um, it's been one of the best offenses in all of football, which is one of the maybe the biggest surprise in in all of football. It's you know the third-ranked offense in terms of DVOA, and that's hard to fathom. You know, with when you think of prolific offenses, nobody expected to, to see Seattle on that list with Geno Smith really balling out, Kenneth Walker balling out. Um, and so I like the Seahawks here. I think the fact that you don't have to worry about the hook, um, give me the home team that has been better defensively the last two weeks against the Chargers um, and the Cardinals. And you think 
you know, uh, as long as, as you don't give up the explosives in the running game, which is easier said than done against, you know, both uh, Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, uh, I think Seattle was my move here. Let's stay in the NFC West where the Rams return from their bye week in need of answers as this is a Rams team that uh, when we last saw them was uh, obviously struggling quite a bit. And yeah, okay, so they beat the Carolina Panthers prior to that. But, uh, you know, it was a a pretty bad game from the Rams against the Cowboys at SoFi as well, which I'm sure a lot more people were looking at. But uh, the Rams and 49ers finishing their regular season series a little little on the early side here as Rams are catching one and a half at home, total of 43 and a half. Of course, that home field at SoFi, not exactly the friendliest of home fields. We'll just say that, and particularly in a division rival like this where the visiting team is uh, just up the road there in the Bay Area. So what do you think here? I mean, Christian McCaffrey should be more up to speed with San Francisco, but the 49ers were embarrassed by the Chiefs last week, and, and the game was close at one point in the fourth quarter, but the Chiefs really opened it up, and or it might have been the third quarter. But regardless, how did the 49ers bounce back, and – where are you on the Rams? I mean, is this a team that's going to figure it out, or are they just an average football team? Yeah. I mean, how about two teams that just desperately need a win? Right. You know, San Francisco has certainly dominated this matchup outside of last year's NFC Championship game where, I mean, heck, they should have won as long as, you know, Jaquaski tart um, can catch a, a just a, you know, uh, raft present uh, of an interception. Um <laughs> Gift wrapped is the word I'm looking for, which is uh, hard to come by apparently here on this uh, Tuesday evening. Um, they should have be they should have beat the Rams on that on that occasion too. You know, I think it's it, for me. I still lean San Francisco because I have faith they're going to be able to run the football. Um, the Rams' offense, I feel like, is broken right now. Matthew Stab. We talk about all the quarterbacks regressing. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady have, have stolen headlines. Russell Wilson up there too, given he just got paid, but. But, you know, Matt Ryan, who just got benched, and Matthew Stafford doesn't look anything like his 2021 self. The entire uh, Rams team doesn't look anything like their 2021 selves. And so, um, you know, in a coin flip game, um, you know, I think I would prefer San Francisco here, even though, gosh, it's hard to believe how bad that defense has been two weeks in a row. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's not just the Chiefs, but that Falcons game, too. Right. Yeah, no, that's a good point. San Francisco, it felt like you know, after they beat the Rams in that Monday night game about a month ago, that they were starting to pick up some steam and they clobber the Panthers. Uh, but they've gone backwards and uh, need to, you know, find themselves again uh, because they are still, you know, as good as they look on paper, they're, they're three and four. And at some point your record is going to start to matter. So uh, let's wrap up in the late afternoon window before we get to the primetime games. And the reason I want to highlight this game is because we have a quarterback change for the Indianapolis Colts as they host the Washington Commanders. Indy laying three, total of 40 at Winbet. Joe, it sure felt like a panic move from Frank Reich, uh, you know, in light of uh, another loss in which his offense struggled against Tennessee to go to Sam Ellinger, at quarterback. Yeah, what's interesting is the line only moved a point from minus four to minus sure. three. And so I think that goes to show you Vegas or at least Sharps, you know, and bookies don't don't look at this move as one that will have a huge, you know, huge ramifications on the outcome of the game. Um, 
You know, I think, I don't know. I mean, it's, I, I try to avoid games when I feel like two really bad teams are playing. I know someone has to win, but uh, it's sort of one where if I'm going to, if I'm going to bet on either and they lose, I'm sort of thinking, you know, why did I do that? Why did I, why did I decide that this was the right decision? <laughs> right? So yeah, you feel worse if it loses, then you do good if it wins. For sure. It's like, am I really going to bet on Sam Ellinger? And it's like, you know, probably not. But am I really going to bet on the commanders who I think are equally terrible? No, probably not. You know, I'm not deep enough in the game, in the betting game, to where I feel like, okay, I think this is a little edge where I'm going to try to get that value on whatever the line is. I don't know, man. Just for my own mental well-being, I think I skip it. Let me ask you on the commanders front, though. We mentioned kind of irrelevant quarterback changes. I think you could even argue that going from Carson Wentz to Taylor Heineke might be an upgrade. We saw Taylor Heineke take the commanders or at that point, the Washington football team to the playoffs, albeit in the then still lowly NFC East. But that was with Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera is still the coach there. You know, some familiarity with the roster, with the playbook. Could you argue that this was a change for the better for Washington? I, what's crazy is, I mean, yes, you could. Um, but, like, they, they had him last year, and they still went out and traded a day to pick for Carson Wentz. It's just hard to fathom, like, what yeah, we exactly. saw from Carson Wentz all last year, what we saw from Taylor Heineke, and at least the competitiveness, the watchability, some of the playmaking ability to extend plays, to run, uh, the fearlessness, the, the the sort of spark plug that he is. And they still went out and got Carson Wentz, and here they are. They played their best game last week, beating the Packers with Taylor Heineke, who was really bad in his first quarter, shook off some rust, made some big-time plays down the stretch. Um, you know, Terry McLaurin sort of came back alive. He's been hibernating all season. Um, you know, we saw, you know, uh, um, Antonio Gibson involved in the passing game, even though Brian Robinson's taken over as the lead back there. So, yeah, I, th- I think you, there's a point to be made that they are a better off team. And uh, which is why if I was going to bet anybody, I'd probably lean commanders here. But um, it's just when you see these organizations make the decisions they do, it just it sort of is just confounding. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe they stumble their way into the better change and, you know, they are, they have one back to back games, which, you know, again, I say that in jest, but it is a, it is a fact. Uh, let's wrap up with the primetime games. Joe, we talk about broken teams uh, a few times here, uh, with Tampa Bay, uh, kind of chief among them in the NFC. Well, green Bay, looks to be equally, if not more so, in flux. Packers going to Western New York to take on the Bills. Bills coming out of a bye. Sunday night football, Bills an 11-point favorite, total of 47.5 at Winbet. Sure felt like last week might be the get-right week for the Packers when they you know, turned over Taylor Heineke a few times early in the game. Then they let the game slip away, and now they got to go to Buffalo. Maybe they'll figure it out in due time, but I don't think it's going to be Sunday night. How do you see Sunday night football? It's pretty crazy to think, you know, going into the year, if I told you in week eight, the Packers would be 11 point dogs against Buffalo. Uh, I think we'd all think Aaron Rodgers wasn't playing in the game, probably. Um, and yet here they are and they're a mess. He's got no faith in any, no faith and or chemistry in any of his 
targets. Maybe outside of Robert Tanyan. And then, you know, I mean, I, we know he likes Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, but all those guys are so limited. You know, I mean, the, the drop-off from, you know, it's stating the obvious, but they just didn't replace Devontae Adams in any way, shape, or form. And so... They don't have anybody that consistently get open. Drops have killed them. Errant deep balls have killed them. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has not played well. They can't get A.J. Dillon uh, going at all. Um, this sort of 1-2, 1-A, 1-B uh, running back tandem just hasn't been there. It's really been Aaron Jones as, as obviously the best guy. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it makes sense that they're 11-point dogs. And, you know, the thought is, why would they be able to score against Buffalo if they can't score against Washington? Um, they've just lost a couple of embarrassing home games against the Jets and Commanders. So, you know, 11's a lot. You know, maybe you, te- you, you make it a teaser leg since it gets you uh, inside the, the, the seven key uh, and down to four. Um, but I just don't know how you sell yourself on the Packers, even though – it's 11 points. You know, it all it takes is one opening drive touchdown from the Bills, and you're thinking, why did I do this? What was I thinking? Right. Yeah. I mean, again, a, a prime time. It's funny how the schedule works out where we end up kind of looking our way into a giant Seahawks game that all of a sudden looks kind of appetizing. And then on the flip side, Packers-Bills looks, uh, you know, like it could be one-way traffic. But such is life in the NFL. Let's wrap up Monday Night Football Battle for Ohio Cincinnati traveling to Cleveland. Cincinnati, a four-point road favorite, total of 46, and the hook. Gosh, Joe, Cincinnati's offense, we've talked about some get-right spots for teams and whether you thought it might happen or not in Week 7. Well, sure was a big game for Cincinnati on offense in that first half, particularly against Atlanta. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, they were all humming. And the Browns, on the other hand, I mean, hey, they competed – in Baltimore, but we talked when we jumped on here about how Baltimore has kind of been floundering a little bit and has found its way to four and three in a rather unimpressive fashion. Cincinnati seems like the clear better team, hence being favored on the road. And I worry a little bit about that Cleveland locker room. Kevin Stefanski is certainly, I think, on the hot seat as the year progresses. A guy that has gone backwards since making the playoffs in the first season. And, and Cincinnati seems to be figuring things out after a little bit of a scratchy start. I believe the Bengals were 0-2 out of the gate. So how do you see Monday Night Football? Any reason to think the Browns in a division game uh, could scratch and claw their way to at least a cover as they were able to against the Ravens last week? Yeah, Cincinnati's rush rush defense has not been very good, allowing 4.6 right. yards per carry. They rank 20th in that category and against Nick Chubb. You know, probably what a top two running back uh, this year, certainly, um, along with Saquon Barkley. Um, you know, I think it, you just don't know if the Browns are going to show up or not. Because not. A couple of weeks, uh, they show up against the Ravens, have a chance to win that game, miss a late field goal, miss your chance to go to overtime. You ultimately lose in, in sort of heartbreaking fashion. Um, yeah. I, this one is, you know, I look at it and say there's no reason why the Browns should cover four. And I said that with the Patriots uh, on Monday night against the Bears, and then they get boat raced, and you're thinking, I just can't figure it out. Um, but, yeah, I don't think I could stomach, again, taking the Browns here against the Bengals team that is just so vastly superior. And if they're figuring things out offensively, there's just no way the Browns can keep up. So, you know, unless Nick Chubb's going for a buck eighty. 
Um, you know, I think this is one that the Bengals cover, even if they make it sweaty for three quarters. All right, there he is, Joe Fan, at Joe underscore fan on Twitter, joining us every week from WinBet to run through the openers in the National Football League. He's Joe Fan. I'm Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod is the podcast. Everybody, Alex manages that account, and he'll be back for our NFL Week 8 deep dive into all the games as uh, we want to thank Joe for jumping on and uh, enjoy the rest of your week, my man. Always fun. Thanks so much. Talk to you next week. Okay. Again, this has been Full Slate. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. And of course, please play responsibly.